Hello, beautiful. This is Reverend Jennifer Hadley, and the recording you're about to listen to is part of the Living a Course in Miracles teleclass. Our intention in offering this class is to give you clear tools and practices that you can use to align with love every day in every area of your life. No one can do your healing for you. You must decide to choose love in every moment to the very best of your ability. Remember, miracles occur naturally as expressions of love. Intend to live a miraculous life of love and share the benefits of your healing and your expansion with everyone because you're one with them. Please pause the recording before the class starts and write down your intention in listening to the class. Partner up with your own higher Holy Spirit self. And please go to jenniferhadley.com for more tools and practical loving support every day. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the class. So I'm so happy and very grateful to welcome Regina Dawn Akers here as our teacher tonight, and we're at week four of Living a Course in Miracles, and our topic this week is healing in relationships. So we've been going very deep, the first three weeks very deep. We we started in a very deep place with Gary Renard, and true forgiveness was our topic week one, and then week two healing self-esteem with Gabriel Bernstein, who's such a love and uh, shared so deeply of her own personal journey. And then uh, the same thing happened with Tammy Keeves. She shared deeply her personal journey of healing and creativity and career. And um, then now here we are healing in relationships. So welcome, Regina. Thank you. And I'm going to invite everyone to turn within with us and I invite you to place your hand on your heart. For those who don't know, when we place our hand on our heart like this for just a short period and tune within, it literally boosts our immune system for six hours. And so we begin with this breath, this holy breath of love and gratitude and we're grateful And we're thankful to be the two or more who are gathered right now in the name and the nature of the Christ presence. We invoke into our awareness the Holy Spirit, the higher Holy Spirit self, our own true identity. We invoke divine grace into our awareness and we open ourselves for healing right now. We place on the holy altar fire of divine love any resistance, any reluctance, anything that we've been holding on to that is in any way making us feel stuck, limited, thoughts of lack and attack, resentment, fear, doubt, worry, blame, shame. All the negativity, we're giving it to the Holy Spirit right now. We're letting the Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting. Our intention is healing. We are awake and aware to the truth right now, and we are grateful 
to accept and to allow and to receive our healing. So in grace and gratitude, we joyfully share the benefits of our healing with everyone. We share our expansion with everyone because we're one with them. In grace and gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 So, Regina, as you know, relationships, this is our major healing opportunity. This is where the rubber meets the road for most of us every day. (laughs) And because it includes also the healing of our relationship with ourselves. And uh, we, we really have come, most of us, whether we know it or not, we really do realize that that special relationship is the ego's best weapon. And we know we're in that special relationship of an ego-based relationship when we're feeling relationship upset. And there is a cure and there is a way to have absolute miraculous, lasting healing and transformation in our relationships. Is there not? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) It's so true because you and I have both experienced it. I mean, we have really experienced and we, we've talked about this some when I, when I interviewed you earlier this year for my radio show at unity.fm. People can listen to that. It was a wonderful, wonderful uh, conversation. And I don't know about you, but I used to think, and I used to think this thought over and over again, this is never going to heal. This is never going to heal. This is never going to heal. And then I really decided, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna call forth a healing, and I'm gonna basically I'm gonna stand here in consciousness until I have my healing, and it worked. And uh, so I wonder if you can share maybe some some of your history because sometimes when people talk about miraculous healing and people are listening, they think, well, that works for them, but that can't work for me. So if you can give us some example from your own life of relationship healing like how bad was it and and how good has it gotten you won't believe how bad it was you'll think i'm lying <laughs> excellent <laughs> now I'm, I'm sorry for your pain but i know it i know it's all over so and yeah, you're sharing well, the benefits um you know there are there are you know a few key relationships that have been helpful but there was there was one relationship that was the most helpful and that's at least where I'll start. Um, This was a relationship that I felt guided into by the Holy Spirit. And um, the man that I joined with felt equally guided. And and that's kind of funny right from the start because I think somehow when we know that we're guided into a relationship, we get this, and there's a fantasy about going into a new relationship anyway, but then you add a fantasy on top of it about... um, you know, Holy Spirit and what a perfect holy relationship this is and how great everything's gonna be. Yeah. And um that wasn't our experience at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh you could say that we were perfectly matched, but we were perfectly matched because we pushed every button each other had. Yeah. At the, at the level of, you know, the way the average world person thinks about a relationship they would have thought we were completely mismatched. Uh, we just had we had nothing in common. Um, 
uh, he was from France, and I, I'm from uh, Middle America, Kansas. So our cultures were completely different. He was actually raised very wealthy. Um, I was raised middle class. Um, you know, he was used to having, you know, maids and servants, and I was used to, you know, mowing the lawn and cleaning the house. Um, he slept all day and stayed up all night. I get up early in the morning and, and you know, I'm up <laughs> during the day being productive like a, you know, a good Kansas girl would be. <laughs> when we ate, it was different. What we ate was different. I, I don't even know if I can remember all of the differences. We just were, were from two different worlds. And um, the only thing that we appeared to have in common was our desire to heal or awaken. And um, our experience when we came together, he he actually came to live with me. Um, we never dated or anything like that. We felt guided together, and he came to the United States and moved in with me. And one of our earliest experiences as we lived together, about a week into it or so, is we started noticing... Um, well, I'm just going to have to say it like it was, how much we hated each other. Oh, my goodness. In fact, I don't, I remember, you know, probably about the third or fourth weekend to it, I was shocked at how strong my hatred was. Like, I didn't even know that I had that in me. But I'd never had someone around me who, who was just pushed every button I had at once. And he was having the same experience. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like he was really bad and, I couldn't stand him. It's just that we were so incredibly different. And uh, he was having the same experience. And, of course, you know, we had those thoughts that people would have, you know, like I had thoughts of kicking him out and he had thoughts of leaving. Right. But but we... That sounds actually pretty tame because, I, you know, other people might be thoughts of running them over with my car. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess he always was a gentleman and I always was a lady. We had that in common. We never hit each other or anything like that. No broken flying plates. No, no, no flying plates. So we, we actually were, I was, was raised to be, uh, you know, you could say self-controlled and so was he. So we did have that in common. Uh, so it, nothing, but, but all the same hatred was there. Just, you know, all the same hatred was there. I, I, I don't think people that throw plates at each other or hit each other uh, feel anything more than what we were feeling as far as the hate, the level of hatred goes. We were just self-controlled. Wow. So um, what we knew, however, and we had agreed before we came together, we had agreed that really the only purpose of our relationship was healing or awakening. And um, so while intently hating each other, uh, we actually held hands and said a prayer. And we asked Holy Spirit for help. And um, after we asked Holy Spirit for help, um, clarity began to come. And, you know, the first clarity, there was actually many, many healings in this relationship, but the first clarity that came had to do specifically with this hate that we were feeling because it was so intense it had to be dealt with first. And the clarity that came was that hate is not real, which, you know, when you're feeling it so intently, it sounds kind of silly, but it came with such clarity that hate is not at all real. It's not at all what we are. All we are is love, and that's the only thing that's real. So any hate, including you know, such strong hate, has to be manufactured. Mm. And what we were taught was how we manufactured hate. And basically the way it worked for me, and I can, you know, I can talk best about my thoughts, but I just want to be very clear that 
you know, he had his thoughts too. It's just like I'm going to talk from my side of the story, but, you know, he, you know, disliked things about me as strongly as I disliked things about him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, like, you know, I'm a fairly neat person. If you come into my house, you'll find it pretty clean most of the time. And, you know, he just, I don't know, he had an amazing ability to mess up a house. And so one of the things that I, you know, one of the thoughts that would come into my mind is he's such a slob. And what Spirit showed me was that even though at the level of form, you know, I I had all the evidence in the world that I was right, that he was a slob. What Spirit showed me is that that's irrelevant. That what I needed to do is look completely beyond form and look at the content of the thought. It's not about is he neat or is he sloppy. It's about this is a hate thought. Mm. And if I take in a hate thought, if I fully digest a hate thought, what I am going to then experience is hate. And in fact, the lesson that Spirit taught me reminds me very much of the Course in Miracles lesson. Um, with oh, I can't think of the exact quote. I, I want the peace of God. I believe that's it. I want the peace yes. of God. Mm-hmm. It says right at the beginning to say uh, that you want the peace of God is meaningless, but to you know to mean it is everything, something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what Spirit taught me is that as my eyes landed on a sloppy house, or as my eyes landed on a man who was still in bed at one in the afternoon, or as my eyes landed on a man who wasn't mowing the lawn, you know, when I thought a man should, <laughs> right. you know, all these things that that my mind was hating. That what was really happening is that I wasn't wanting the peace of God. I was wanting hate. And I was easily taking in every one of these thoughts and just constantly feeding myself a diet of hate, constantly. And it was nonstop because there were so many things about him that were different than me. And because I was constantly feeding myself a diet of hate, um, hate is what I was experiencing. So I thought came into my mind, you know, like he's a slob. Instead of looking at the house for evidence, I needed to just look directly at the thought. And I needed to ask myself, you know, what is the content of this thought? You know, hate. Do I want to experience hate? So I had to turn my mind away from thinking it's about the form. I need a clean house. And I had to just look specifically at the content. Do I want hate? And in fact, during this time, the hate thoughts were so rapid. I mean, I... I had hundreds to thousands a day. You know, I never obviously counted them, but I mean, they were just rapid. Oh yeah. And so I wish I could say I had no idea what you're talking about. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I really just, thought I was the world's expert, so I'm glad to hear your your count. Not alone. <laughs> yeah. I say a rough estimate, ten thousand a day. So yeah, yeah. Who knows? I mean, just just constant. And so. Um, it was interesting because I received guidance during this time to join a gym, which I thought was a little bit odd guidance, but um, it came three times, so I went and joined the gym. It wasn't long after I joined the gym that I understood it. When I got on the treadmill and started running, and I guess it was because of the endorphins or something, I don't know, but it Im- improved my ability to look at those thoughts without getting caught up in them. Yeah. Uh, so something about the run- and I've never been a runner, but I had enough hate thoughts to keep me running. <laughs> so something about the running on the treadmill, and especially a treadmill is nice. I don't have to worry about traffic or dogs or anything. You know, so I would get on the treadmill, and I would just run, and these thoughts would come into my mind. And, and I just did this repeatedly. I would say, 
what kind of thought is this? This is a hate thought. Do I want to feel hate? No, then I do not want this thought. Then boom, another one. What kind of thought is this? This is a hate thought. Do I want to feel hate? No, then then I don't want this thought. And instead of letting them go based on the criteria, is it true in form or not, mm. uh, I let it go based on the criteria, do I want to hate or not. Mm-hmm. And I practice this uh, very consistently. Um, I think because, to be honest, the hate was so painful. You know, and he um, says somewhere in the course that, you know, our threshold for pain is limited. I, I never quote good, but that's the idea that, you know, we all have a threshold for pain. At some point, we can't take it anymore. And that's what was happening for me. So I became very, very consistent in practicing this. And uh, this is where my first healing in the relationship came from, is that as I practiced it very consistently, it's like when you believe a thought, a thought is recycled. But when the thought comes into the mind and you look at it and you choose not to believe it, it takes some of it at least out of the recycling. So what began to happen after literally just a few weeks is the rate of the hate thoughts was slowing. Mm -hmm. And also the attraction to the hate thoughts was weakening. Mm -hmm. So they were still running through to some level, but now it wasn't as intense as it was, and so it became easier to work with them and to practice with them. I continued the same practice, and that that effect of them coming in fewer and fewer with weaker and weaker attraction continued until, and I can't tell you what day or what hour, but they just they just died. And the reason I know they died is because they haven't come back in any circumstance, and this has now been many years. And the, this particular man that I was living with, he did not become neat. He did not start, you know, sleeping at night and getting up in the day, or, you know, he didn't ever really move along. <laughs> I mean, he did a couple times, but he did do a very good job. You know, he didn't change. He, yeah. he was still him, but but my hate left. So So one thing that I learned was that that, practice that I learned works with with anything. I mean, I learned it with hate, but it works with anything. You know, one thing a lot of people have trouble with, especially it seems like a lot of women talk about it, is unworthiness. Yes. You know, believing that they are just scum. (laughs) I mean, I'll say that, but that's, that's the thought. And, you know, their eyes can land on all kinds of things. You know, their, their body in the mirror, that's a great one. Uh, maybe dirty windows, that's a great one. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, a kid who isn't as successful as you would have dreamed, that's a great one. You know, and they see all of these things that continually prove to themselves that they're unworthy, and they feel very, very unworthy. But what they don't realize is that's not a truth. The only truth is love. And so the sense of unworthiness is manufactured. And the way it's manufactured is by continually taking in these thoughts that really have unworthiness as their content, and believing them. And so the same thing needs to happen. It's it's the exact same process. The thought comes in, you know, I look in the mirror and I see my thighs <laughs> and the thought comes in and instead of looking back in the mirror to see if my thighs still look fat, I look at the thought. You know, and I say what is the content of this thought? Unworthiness. Do I really want to believe myself to be unworthy? Do I really want to hate myself, you know? No. But then I'm not going to accept this thought. And I think where a lot of people get um, hooked 
is because we keep wanting the form to change. Yes. And so we keep looking back in the mirror to see if the thighs are still fat. And uh, you know what? Those thighs may never change. Mine have been the same <laughs> my entire adult <laughs> life. They only get a little bigger. <laughs> you know, they get gradually and gradually a little bigger, but the shape of them, the basic shape, which I always hated and really saw as the proof of my unworthiness, it's never changed. Mm-hmm. It's never going to change. So if I keep looking in the mirror and waiting for that to change, I'm never going to get rid of this burden of, of unworthiness and self-hatred. So so it's not about waiting for the form to change. It's it's more about that lesson to say you want the peace of God is nothing, to mean it is everything. I think that's the quote. To say you want the peace of God is nothing, to mean it is everything. And we have to start meaning it. And we have to literally look at the diet uh, that we're feeding ourselves with the thoughts that we're believing, look right past the thought at the content and say, is this, is this how I want to continue to feel, to believe, to see, to experience, or would I rather have the peace of God? And, and we literally need to change our diet. <laughs> and I didn't change one thought for another. It's not the same as affirmations. It's not the same as standing in front of the mirror and looking and, you know, at a body that I think is ugly and saying, I'm beautiful. It was just letting go of the ugly. I have to say, especially for everyone who's listening, Regina, that I had very similar experience. You know, it was different, but very similar in that my mind just kept going to attack thoughts, hate thoughts. And uh, I, it, it was obsessive. It felt just obsessive, which sounds like you were feeling as well. And that's when I learned, and for me it was, are you going to choose love or not? Are you going to choose love or not? Are you going to choose love or not? And then I got to saying to the thoughts, I'm just, I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm just right. not interested in that anymore. And I would literally see myself placing the thought, the belief, uh, on the altar and think of it as literally being lifted off of me by the love of God, by the higher Holy Spirit self, the Holy Spirit and because the teaching of a course in miracles is really that the the whole the healing is unprecedented the healing is even unimaginable it's so complete it's so quick but it cannot happen unless we are 100% sincere we have to totally want it and uh that's that's our work so the discipline that you're talking about you, what period of time are you talking about? Did this transpire before you felt like the, it, you had had your, like you were really you were done? Well, I was over the 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 most intense hate, which was what was extremely was unbearable. Uh, that was gone within just a few weeks. But you would still see what I would call remnants uh, that would come up. That I would repeat the work. Uh, probably it went on for about a year before it it never came back again. What did you call it? The remnants. Remnants. Okay. For a second, I thought you said roundness. I thought, yeah, oh, remnants. that's a new term. Yeah. Yeah. I. Yeah. I. I totally. And so this is the thing: is people don't think it's possible, but it's simply they're they're not willing. So that's why we cultivate our willingness. And people also, as soon as you're willing, 
the how of the healing, whatever it is, will be shown to you. So through Regina's willingness, she got go to the gym and start running on the thing, doing something she would normally never be interested in doing, never pursue, but she was interested in her healing. Uh, I mean, that's that's what I'm hearing you say is you yes. you were you you were taking no prisoners. You were like, I'm doing this. Yes, absolutely. You're not at all incorrect. You're you're completely right. And and that's how I felt. I was like, Mother, Father, God, this healing is going to happen. I am not going to live the rest of my life this way. And that's it. And I always know too that whatever my healing is, I share the benefits with everyone because our minds are joined. So I, I, I don't feel I have permission to allow myself to contribute to the one mind trash every day. So I got to take out the trash. Absolutely. And that's exactly what we're doing is taking yeah. out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one other thing I, I should say about it is, um, I think sometimes where some people get stuck when they hear this and they, and they try to, try to try it. Uh, where they sometimes get stuck is in the judgment. So if if a, if a thought had came into my mind, you know, like a hate thought, and then I judged myself for having the hate thought, and I stayed in that guilt of oh I shouldn't be hating. There's something about that that belief in that guilt, that belief in that judgment. It's like you're stuck in the mud and you can't get anywhere. Yeah. So one of the first things that maybe some people need to do if they're finding they're really judging themselves is that's the thought they need to start with is the judgment. Even if they have to let the hate or the unworthiness or the annoyance continue for a while, they need to work on that judgment thought first. Because once you can look at your thoughts without judgment, then you can really start to get somewhere. But uh, if you're believing that you're guilty for thinking the thought, that somehow blocks the healing. Well, and this is what I have found for myself is, you know how the Course says the attacker always feels attacked. Yes. The judger always feels judged. Yes. It really because it's the same thing as the attacker always feels attacked. So if you and allow yourself to entertain an attack thought, then you will find yourself judging yourself for being an attacker, and that's that's there's no way out of that, except to no longer be thinking attack thoughts. So the the and and a lot of people would almost uh it's, it's interesting some people prefer to judge themselves and some people prefer to judge others i yes. prefer to judge others <laughs> but there's no no difference cuz there's only one it's like all forgiveness is self forgiveness yes i loved what you said about being stuck in the mud because it it really is that it's the the stickiest thing in the world is to attack yourself yeah, there needs to be an ability to look at your mind without judging what you find. And that, of course, is what we call looking at it with Holy Spirit instead of ego. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, looking at your mind and not judging what you find and then making rational decisions, which, again, are making decisions with Spirit. You know, I just don't want this. In fact, um, when I was having trouble early uh, in my relationship with my daughter, that's where I really dealt with the guilt. I used to have a lot of anger. You know, I was a mother who shouted. <laughs> I had the self-control not to hit, but I didn't have the self-control not to scream. <laughs> and, yeah. And I and I did a lot of screaming. And at first, I felt very, very guilty. And it seemed like as long as I felt guilty about the screaming, I just stayed stuck in it. 
And so, um, you know, spirit was trying to help me learn to look at my thoughts without judgment just so I could see why I was yelling, what was going on, and begin to really look at it. And so spirit gave me the example of shopping uh, at TJ Maxx. Now, for anybody who doesn't know about TJ Maxx, the difference between TJ Maxx and a regular department store is if you go into a regular department store, they may have a whole rack of, bra- of blouses that look exactly alike. The only thing that's different is the size. But at TJ Maxx, every blouse is different. <laughs> you know, it's just like it's almost like a, a a garage sale, except it's all new stuff. But everything is different. And so right. Spirit was using the example of shopping at TJ Maxx that when I go through the blouses at TJ Maxx and I see one that I don't want, I don't feel any guilt or fear. I just push that blouse on and go on to the next blouse, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's not a problem to look at the blouses at TJ Maxx. You just keep looking till you find one you want. And right. Spirit used that, used that example to help me look at the thoughts in my head differently. I said, you know, I just need to look at the thoughts and decide if I want them. I don't need to feel guilty because they show up there. If I see a thought I don't want, you know, like a, a hate thought or an unworthiness thought, then just look at it as a blouse at TJ Maxx that I don't want. Just realize I don't want it and push it on aside, you know, or let it go on by. Um, and that symbol, for some reason, really helped me because up until I had a simple image like that, I felt really guilty for even seeing the thoughts in my mind, and that kept me from looking at them as honestly as I needed to. Once I was able to get over the guilt of the thoughts being there, then I was able to look at them effectively and truly choose that I didn't want them and let them go. That is a wonderful, helpful tool. I I love how when we're truly willing, the Holy Spirit gives us the teaching in a way that we can really make sense of it. It's not confusing. Uh, most of the time. I mean, there are things we just have to say, well, it's a mystery. It's yeah. a mystery. You know, uh, maybe, you know, in- until I ascend to a fifth dimensional awareness, it's a mystery. <laughs> so, uh, but in to, in, until then, I'll just know that all things work together for my good. Yes. So I, I, I have a question for you because you used the, the, the term you, the, taking in the thoughts. Yeah. So how is it, is there a difference between taking in a thought, thinking a thought? Yeah, well, you might say, I mean, again, now we're getting into language and, and you know, you never know how people use words and what they mean by it. But um, uh, for me, the way I look at it now is that a thought shows up and then a thought, you know, is like a, an, it's an option, just like a blouse at TJ Maxx. It's an option. Yep. Buy it or not buy it. And until I in some way attach to that thought, uh, usually putting interest in it is really what it is, putting interest into the thought, I have an interest in that thought, um, then I haven't really, you know, taken it in fully. And a thought can just pass by. And, in fact, that's my most common experience now when I do see a, a judgment show up. And they don't show up at all like they used to. But when I do, I can just very quickly um, look at a du- judgment now with no attachment and say, yeah, I don't really want to judge. <laughs> it just goes away. But used to, I would have looked at that thought with interest, you know, with belief, with tell me more, you know, <laughs> with something. And and then I and then I kind of take it in. And one thing that I've learned is that if you if you buy the first thought in a particular storyline, mm-hmm. more come. 
You know, it really is like saying, give me more of this. I like that thought that she's fat. Tell me more about how I can hate her. And, you know, pretty soon, well, she's also rude. And, you know, I don't like the way she laughs. And, and more and more and more come. But if I don't have interest in that first thought, somehow the whole the whole thing just gets bypassed. It's like I didn't buy that blouse at TJ Maxx. I didn't buy that storyline. So that's what I mean by taking in a thought. There seems to be a way of showing interest, which then you know, kind of pulls the thought in somehow or not showing interest, which just lets it go on by. I I totally agree. The way I, I came to think of it is the thought appears and it's an option. Like you were saying, there's a choice. Do do I, am I interested in entertaining this thought? And I think of it like it's a train pulling in the station. Do I want to get on that train and go where that train right. is going, or do I want to just say bye bye and let it go on? And uh, because it's just what you said, if you if you say yes to the first one, then the next one will come and come and come and come until next thing you know, you've eaten a pint of ice cream and you feel sick. And it's well, in your case, you've gone on a train ride. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know, and it's just a train to nothing good can happen here. Right. So uh I I I love the the clarity with which you're helping us to to really make sense of how to apply this in relationship. So, you know, what I I'm really grateful that you bring up the the part about you being a screamer because yes. uh at screaming at your daughter and it's, it, uh, because so many people feel guilty as parents cuz many many Course of Miracles students come to the course in their 50s and 60s, and they've already their kids are already adults, even, and they feel so much guilt for having not been better parents for not knowing what they know now. Well, the truth is, you know, of course, guilt is actually just an ego trick. I mean, I, I totally understand it as a parent, um, but it, it helps when we finally come to realize that guilt never solves anything. Um, you know, everyone does their best all of the time. I mean, you know, our best can quote get better as we as we wake up more and learn more and more from spirit. But everybody's doing their best. When I was screaming at my daughter when she was like this four year old, and I'm screaming at her because she won't go to sleep, as if that's going to help. Oh. Um, I the, the truth is I didn't know any better. Yeah. I just knew that I was tired. She wouldn't stop screaming. I felt out of control, you know. You know, it's 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 just it's really very innocent. It, it, I mean, it's it's not pretty, but it's still innocent. And all that happened when I when I started listening to spirit, is spirit started helping me see myself again without judgment. In fact, um, you know, what really happened, as I mentioned before, the first thing that happened was I felt guilty, mm. and. Uh, Spirit helped me to let go of the guilt, and the way that worked is I was told to put myself on timeouts when I started screaming. And when I would put myself on the timeout, I would feel so guilty, and Spirit would just ask me just to be with that guilt. Remember that Spirit teaches I'm not guilty, even though I found that hard to believe, just remember it. That Spirit teaches I'm not guilty, and just watch the guilt. And what seemed to happen over a period of time is I practiced just that, putting myself on timeout, remembering that Spirit said I'm not guilty, and watching watching the guilt. 
You know, all this guilt would rise and all this guilt would rise. But then one day, and it's miraculous, I yelled at my daughter just like I always did, but I didn't judge myself. It's like somehow just that practice of watching the guilt, and it was over a period of a few months, somehow one day I yelled and I didn't judge. And when I didn't judge, I saw something I'd never seen before. I saw the thought that actually triggered me to yell in the first place. It's like it started letting me get to the next level. And the thought that was in my mind that was very common back then was she doesn't respect me or she doesn't care about me like she was supposed to. Yeah. (laughs) I thought she was supposed to. I thought that a daughter was supposed to care about her mom or, you know, respect her mom. And, and, uh, of course, we're talking about a very young child here, but still, you know, it's the ego. Yeah. So when when I screamed at her without judgment, I saw the thought. And then I was able to start looking at that thought with spirit. She doesn't respect me. She doesn't care about me. And I was able to see what a big trigger that was. And this was an important shift because up until this moment, I thought either she was the problem or I was the problem. Now I see it's a thought. That changes everything. You know, and I had never even seen the thought before. And I mean, it happened so fast. I wasn't aware of it. So then I started looking at that thought and started realizing this thought is the cause of of all of my, you know, screaming problems, or at least a, a significant amount of my screaming problems. And so then what started happening is I started giving my willingness not to fall for that thought. And at first I would go through a repeated pattern of, you know, once again I'd fall for it and I would scream, and but then I would, ah, I just did it again, I don't, I don't want to. And then one day another miracle happened. It came to the point where I saw the thought and chose that I didn't want it before I lost my temper. Mm. So, and I was able to say, you know what, I don't want that. I mean, it just, just that ability came. And yes. that's when I began to to not yell at that point. I mean, I began to, to change my mind before I went into my old patterns. And then, just like with the hate thoughts, the more I worked with that thought, the less frequently it came, uh, the less power it had. And then one day it just died and you know i may have mentioned to you i don't remember what i said in the radio show but you know my daughter is 15 now and and although we are actually quite close i mean i think our our relationship is extraordinary you know any 15 year old occasionally gives their mom that look (laughs) (laughs) you know and like my mind never even thinks she doesn't respect me anymore my mind just thinks she's being 15 you know which is a completely different way of seeing it so it's completely healed this idea that she doesn't like me, she she doesn't care about me, she doesn't think of me, those thoughts that used to really drive me, they're gone. Um, But uh, again, the first thing I had to deal with was my own guilt, and I didn't do anything. I mean, that's why it's called A Course in Miracles. It's not like I got rid of the guilt. All I did is follow Spirit's instructions, which was to put myself on time out and then sit with the guilt, looking at the guilt, allowing the guilt to be, but remembering that spirit teaches I'm innocent. And I think maybe I did one more thing. I think I really took the two, evaluate, two evaluations section of, of the course to heart, and I realized I had to make a decision. I was either going to trust my evaluation of myself, which says I'm guilty, or I was going to trust spirit's evaluation of myself, which says I'm innocent. And even though my mind and my emotions were telling me I was guilty, I chose to believe spirit more than me. Uh, so, so you could call that faith. I put faith in the fact that I was innocent even though I couldn't understand it. 
And by just having that faith that I was innocent, uh, one day, like I said, I, I did the exact same thing, but I didn't judge it. And when I didn't judge it, that's when I saw that thought. You know, you could call it the culprit thought. <laughs> and then I could start giving my willingness to be healed of that. So, and, uh, you know, my daughter can tell you I haven't lost my temper with her now in, in years. It's wonderful, isn't it? Because yeah. I can tell that when you began this work, it, it was just uh, excruciating. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, that's kind of what the uh, the healed relationship section, yeah. of course, promises. <laughs> You know, it tells you that when you ask that your special relationship be turned into a holy relationship, that the invitation is accepted immediately. Um, And Holy Spirit's goal replaces the original goal you had, and the relationship seems to to become different very rapidly. It may seem to be more disturbed, uh, more disjunctive, even quite distressing, and and uh, because it's completely out of out of alignment with the new goal of holiness. And um, my daughter is the relationship I turned over. When I was reading the course for the first time and I came to the section on special relationships and holy relationships and the course asked us to give a relationship to the Holy Spirit, I gave my relationship with my daughter to the Holy Spirit to be the first healed relationship. And uh, it it seemed like almost immediately, uh, from my perception, she became the devil. <laughs> she became... Uh, <laughs> much angrier than I remember her being before. She would do things like kick me, which she had never done before, or she was very clingy, the opposite. She would hold on to me, and I couldn't even move around the house to get done what I needed to done. So do. So it was either too clingy or, or, or too hateful. And so this, of course, brought up all of my screaming. You know, I was always, and, and, and this is what allowed me to start looking at it. If, if I hadn't been put in the position somehow, to, you could say to scream more, I might have continued to be tolerant of my screaming. I think sometimes we accept the ego in us, uh, first of all, because we're used to it, but secondly, it's something we've learned to overlook. And when it becomes extreme, it makes itself more obvious, and it, it's harder to overlook it. And so then we start listening to spirit a little more. We're like, okay, I see I'm totally out of control here. You know, I see how much I scream at this little girl. I need help. So it's like somehow she became, in my perception, worse which pushed my buttons more which actually was the first step to healing so it seems like the relationship is getting worse but it's not what it's doing is it's making it more obvious what needs to be healed and that's the first thing that has to happen because if we continually overlook what needs to be healed how can it be healed it needs to be brought to our attention and and we it that pain it really pushes us to Get busy, get to work, to not stay asleep in the relationship. Yeah, it would be nice if, if we could learn without pain. And Jesus does say it's possible. <laughs> he says in the manual for teachers that it's possible, but you know, most likely we will experience the pain. And that does seem to be the way most of us go, unfortunately, at least for a while. I think I finally learned to heal without pain. Yeah. But my first several healings came because of pain. And for people who are in pain, can you share your understanding of what it is that actually causes the pain? And and it's it's uh 
in a sense, it doesn't matter whether it's physical, emotional, or mental pain. Uh, and because all of it is just awful. It's all painful. But many people are so convinced that the pain is because of the circumstances. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think the answer that I have for that question that first came to my mind is actually an answer I learned from Peace Pilgrim. But it's mm. because we're out of harmony with ourselves. In other words, there's an inner conflict. Uh, you know, remember, again, the Course teaches that, that we are love. That's an absolute fact. And so if we are trying to be something else, we're out of harmony with ourselves. And when we're ignorant of that, I mean, we're completely ignorant of that, it seems to be somehow, it may be painful, but somehow it's not as excruciating. When we start becoming aware of the fact to some level that what we are is love, and we become aware of the fact that we want to know ourselves as that again. I mean, this becomes our heart purpose. Then somehow the pain becomes even more excruciating. You could say because now I'm even more out of alignment with myself. Before I was love, but I didn't know I was love, and I didn't care if I was love. <laughs> you know, I was just seeing myself as a person. And so I may have been out of alignment, but you know, somehow I, I didn't know it. But once I start setting the goal of knowing myself as only love, then anytime I'm I'm acting out of a, a different belief about myself. The pain is 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 very distinct uh, because I'm so out of alignment with my own goal and my own self. So um, let's see. Was there more to your question? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's the it, it's. Oh, you know what I, it is. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. As I said, I do remember you said they think it's the circumstance. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And, and people also think, well, wait a minute, Regina, because uh, I can kind of feel some people thinking, well, wait a minute, Regina, uh, you you don't quite understand about my pain. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you, um, but, you know, if that's what you're saying, to be honest, you're wrong, and that's good news. <laughs> because if you had to wait for the entire world to change to your satisfaction, you'd never have a chance at consistent happiness. So it's really very good news that all of our pain comes from ourselves because then we have a chance. Um, you know, in another, I see we're getting closer to the end of time, so I'll just tell this story briefly, but another healing that I had in the relationship with the man from France, about six months into the relationship, uh, he uh, spontaneously, it seemed like, I'm sure it wasn't spontaneous, but that was my the appearance, he spontaneously decided uh, he didn't want me anymore you know we were of course sharing a bedroom and all of that we were a couple and and he got up and he went into the guest room and he started not coming out of his room if i was out and about in the house and like oh i i could hear at night when i would go into my room and close my door and he knew i'd go to bed i would hear him come out and so he was still physically in my house but he was totally avoiding me and if he if we happened to see me he looked at me with pure hatred in his eyes and um, this brought up all of my unworthiness, and I really, i got to tell you, I felt like the ugliest woman alive. That's exactly how I felt. And uh, although I, I hated being rejected, what I didn't realize was I, I think I thought I understood, like who would want me anyway. Uh, this was all coming up. And um, when, I went to, when I went to Spirit about it, um, what Spirit pointed out to me is and I had a lot of pain, a lot of pain. And but Spirit pointed out to me that my pain was not actually coming 
from his actions. And in fact, some of my friends were telling me he was being emotionally abusive. And so if I had listened to their words, I, I could have believed that it was really him. But Spirit told me that my pain was not coming from his actions, that my pain was coming from my inner agreement that I was rejectable. And that it was really my own rejection of myself that was causing my pain. And so what Spirit asked me to do was kind of a mantra, but the purpose of the mantra was really to keep me um, so that I focused on the real cause of the problem, which was my own belief in my rejectability, instead of slipping into believing it was his actions, like avoiding me in the house and that kind of thing. So Spirit told me that whenever I thought he was, you know, being emotionally abusive or hurting me in some way, to say, it is not him that is hurting me. It is my own belief in my rejectability. And just to be very, very consistent about that. And again, I was very consistent. So every time the thought would fly through that, you know, he was being emotionally abusive and all this stuff, I would say, it's not him that's hurting me. It's my own belief in my rejectability. And this probably went on for a couple of months. But then one day, I felt that pain in me that had, be, you know, that had, was there this whole time, but it almost felt like it had light around it. And within 24 hours, it was like completely gone. And it was when it was completely gone, the way I saw changed completely. Instead of seeing an emotionally abusive man who was rejecting me and being cruel to me, and I deserved it, which is kind of how I saw before, I saw a man who was fighting his own demons, who who really was, you know, had his own stuff going on and, and didn't know where to get help and needed a friend more than anything. And instead of feeling rejected, I actually felt called, you know, called like, please help me. And and I became his friend in a, in a new way. And our relationship changed, formed somewhat. But we actually continued to live together for nine months. And, and I became more focused on helping him to look at his pain, um, you know, and, and it just changed. It's kind of like the Course says, if it's not love, it's a call for love. And we, we, we hear that, we read that, we think of that intellectually, but I actually saw it. But I couldn't see it until the belief in my rejection got out of the way because that was my obstacle. So it really wasn't him. You know, in fact, I don't even rejection is something else I don't believe in anymore. I never see rejection. I see, I see people believing their own thoughts, and sometimes that creates the appearance of rejection. But in all truth, no one is ever rejecting anyone. People are dealing with their own pain, and they don't know how to deal with their thoughts, and they don't know what their thoughts mean. And sometimes they think, "What I have to do is get away from you." Unfortunately, it doesn't help them because where they go, they take their thoughts with them. Um, so rejection is, is an illusion, and that I know for a fact now. But again, I had to, in order to have this healing, I had to be real clear that the cause of my pain was in me, not in him. Uh, and as long, if I had continued to put the cause of my pain on him, it's his fault. You know, he's living in my house and eating my food but won't talk to me. You know, if I had followed that train of thought, I'm certain the healing would not have happened. So it's just not at all helpful to blame anyone or anything. If you if you want to be truly happy, truly joyous, know yourself as love, you have to understand that you're the cause of your own problems and you have to let Holy Spirit help you see what you're doing to yourself and teach you how to allow healing. Now, the you're just 
teaching so beautifully, Regina. And I can hear one of the questions that people have is really how how do they get to the place where they can take that responsibility? Something I say all the time, you have to be willing to accept responsibility, but without blame. Well, for me, the very first step is always willingness. You know, I, I, you know, I can, I mean, you know, you're always going up a new level. <laughs> you know, there's always yeah. something else now. Okay, now this is time for me to work on this. And it's like each new level for me always starts in the same place, which is willingness. So, you know, right now I, I'm, I'm at a level of, um, of learning something called awareness, watching awareness, which when I first received the guidance to learn awareness, watching awareness, the first thought that popped into my head was I'll never be able to do that. <laughs> I've never <laughs> been a meditator. I've always been, you know, when I, I do great with contemplation, you know, reading slowly yeah, and me contemplating. Me too, me too. Yeah, great with journaling, but as far as the true sitting, thoughtless meditation, that just sounds like something that is not even possible. And um, But that has become my guidance recently. And so here I go, new level, same first step. I give my willingness. And already I'm receiving, I'm starting to receive guidance. This morning I spent my first little bit of time. Uh, it just clicked right in in, in this pure thoughtless meditation, which is something I've never experienced before. I wasn't there long, but I was there. And it was only a few short weeks ago when I thought that was impossible. So it doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what you know your current step is. I mean, we, we can all seem to be in different places needing different healings or, or, or different learnings. But it seems to me that the first step is always the same. It's, okay, I'm willing for this. I don't know how it will happen. I have no idea what my part is. I have no idea... What guidance could come? I have no idea where to get the answers, but I'm willing. And if we are truly willing, it seems like the universe gives us everything we need. It's so true. It's so true. It's it's that cultivating that willingness, that little willingness. And to recognize that your this man, he's your sacred friend. Oh, yeah. Gosh, we love each other so much now. We went through so much healing. We're no longer a couple, but the love is incredible. And, and and I mean, it's it's funny because you really delivered. You know, you said at the beginning that your story is like, it's so fantastic. People can't even believe it because we went from such incredible hatred to such profound love. And th- that's what's possible. Now, uh, we... Uh, we started a few minutes past the hour, so just take a, a, another couple minutes here because I'd like to ask you just one more question. So for people who are in a relationship that are thinking, i got to get out of this relationship, i got to get out. And let's, let's say there's no there's no abuse going on, no physical abuse because you've uh, addressed emotional abuse, and we wouldn't encourage people to stay in a situation where there's violence. Uh but where you're just you're unhappy you're you're feeling hatred towards this person you're feeling anger and resentment a lot of people say uh, i want to end this relationship what i say to them is well if you're one with them and you're eternal how how does that how can that work how do you end the relationship well and it's not only that you know this is something my dad taught me as a kid you know i had a wise father 
he taught it regarding the workplace, but it's the same with 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 relationships, personal relationships. He said if if you know you're having trouble with your boss or you're having trouble with other employees and you just think, you know, I, I can't take this anymore. I need to go find a new job. He said think again because you know you're you're the problem. That's you're always the problem, and you're going to go to a new company and pretty soon you're going to find the exact same problems. He said what you need to do is take time to look at yourself and see how you're a part of the problem. Um, and that's that's the bottom line. I mean, it, maybe the relationship seems so bad that that one really feels I've, I've blown it here and I need to leave and, and who knows, maybe. I mean, I, it's not up to me to decide. But they can't just think that's the answer. They then have to leave and they have to reflect on what their part in it was. They have to look at you know, the thoughts in their mind, they have to ask spirit for help, that healing needs to happen or they're going to end up in the exact same relationship again. You can't leave yourself. It's impossible. Yeah, so what resists persists. So if you resist your healing opportunity that you've – I mean, I always think of it as that the higher self has worked, you know, really labored in some way to create this this relationship if you bail on it then you just have to start all over again right. and in fact that hit me you know at some points in the relationship with this french man that hit me because i did have thoughts about kicking him out but then of course uh, yeah of course but then like i say run him over say, with a car but yeah <laughs> but then something in me would just say but if you don't deal with it now you're going to have to deal with it later somewhere else some other way and and i didn't see any reason to put it off Exactly. I have the opportunity right here, right now, in this relationship. Let's get it done. And it sounds like it was the making of you, like it, it was. I, I, you know, I tell people I think that that relationship was a year and a half long. I think it saved, you know, to use a course analogy, at least a thousand years. Actually, probably two. Wow. And it was a year and a half. So to save 2,000 years in a year and a half is a pretty good deal. <laughs> and, and and we're talking about 2,000 years with some happy moments and a lot of suffering. <laughs> yes. And another another shift has, you know, there is something that's very important. It's not that I don't ever have stuff come up because I, I, I still do. But to be honest, um, my experience now is that months pass before something else comes up. And then when something else comes up, I see it clearly. I'm able to work with spirit on it very quickly, and it's over very fast. So my life now is really one that we could call consistently happy and consistently peaceful. Uh, I, I love everyone with an occasional blip that's very quickly dealt with, and that's completely different than the experience before this relationship. So the after is is, is very different. You know, I, I learned a lot in that relationship. There was a lot of healing. And it was really worth it. And of course, I love him. How could you not love someone that that brings such a magnificent gift? That's right. That is right. Oh, beautiful. Oh, you you have the best stories, Regina. You really do <laughs> because your your life. I mean, this is the thing for all all the Course in Miracles teachers I know. Our life is just a. Yes. It's a book that we're reading as we're going, and and our life illustrates the teachings, if we're willing to see it. Yes. Well, that's what a Course in Miracles is really all about. It's, you know, the Buddhist way is to sit in meditation and watch the mind. But A Course in Miracles, what I say is it's about living in the world and watching the mind. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you, girl. So good. And, and, and I say it's good work if you can get it, and we got it. Yeah. It is beautiful. Well, as promised, the, the hour goes by so quickly. And before we close out with a closing prayer, don't miss the prayer, uh, Regina, I can tell that everybody listening wants to know uh, about, because you you offer so much free good stuff. So can you just give us a couple of highlights on that? Yeah, again, you know, Ever, I've been a, a teacher ever since I started. It's kind of interesting. I received guidance to start teaching immediately, and I had no understanding of that at the time. But now that I look back on it, I realize that everything I've been through is recorded and online from the very beginning. And I've always been incredibly honest about what I'm going through and what spirit's showing me and how I'm practicing. So um, it's kind of like my healing is in a in a glass house. So there are hundreds of free audios that go through every phase of what I've been through so far on my website, reginadonacres.com. And those are probably um, some of the most useful resources people will find. I also have um, lots of messages that I receive from Spirit because that's how I hear as I write. Um, also, uh, there's some free ebooks there. There are two books that have come through me that are published that are honestly very good. Uh, I say that with humility because they came from spirit. One is the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the New Testament, and the other one is the teachings of Inner Ramana. There's also events. All of this can be found on my website, reginadonacres.com. Oh, thank you. And I also just want to encourage people that Regina does retreats and trips and we're both going to be at the Course of Miracles conference in April in Chicago. We both have it listed on our website and the uh the discount ends Sunday. So if you're interested in joining us and Gary Renard, David Hoffmeister and John Mundy and Earl Purdy and so many others in Chicago uh, next April for a big spiritual hoot nanny. Uh, the, the discount ends on Sunday, so uh, go to our websites, get all the details. And uh, for me, it's on the jenniferhadley.com on the events page. And uh, I sent out an email today, I think, about it as well. So let's uh, let's turn within here. And let's call forth another blessing. I truly believe in the power of prayer because it's when our belief and our thought combines with the Holy Spirit and all we know is the truth. So in this moment, we're truly placing our relationships on the altar, giving them to the Holy Spirit for healing and for transformation. And we are opening our hearts and minds to be truly willing abundantly willing, profoundly willing, willing like we've never been willing before to call forth, accept, and receive and allow this healing that we so deeply desire. It's ours and we are accepting it right now. We are grateful and thankful to release into the love of the Holy Spirit all that no longer serves us all the habits of blame and shame and guilt and resentment, 
all of the attack thoughts. We are grateful and thankful to open our hearts and minds to this healing and accept it fully right now. We are truly sharing the benefits with all of our brothers and sisters, with everyone everywhere, because we're one with them. And this includes all relationships with our ancestors and all loved ones in all directions of time and space. We are truly grateful for our healing. In gratitude and joy, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen. This is Jennifer Hadley again. I invite you to remember that your dedication to your life of love is the best gift that you can share with the world. Love is the only healer, and it's always available to you for the asking. Remember, too, that you cannot have that which you're unwilling to share. Share the love today. Love out loud and know that all boats rise on this holy tide of love. Thank you for joining us. Please go to JenniferHadley.com for more tools and practical loving support every day.